Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Take your Bibles, turn with me to the book of James as we start a brand new series, Studies in the Book of James. I didn't know what else to call it, so I just thought I'd call it Studies in the Book of James. I tried to come up with some other cute thing, uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm just calling it Studies in the Book of James. James chapter 1, I've been looking forward to getting into this text of Scripture. And uh, your notes say uh, verse 2 through 8, but I'm going to take it from verse 1. We're going to dig into verses 2 through 8. If you're all there, say amen. amen. Reading from the New International Version, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of a sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Father, I thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet, light upon our path. I pray you would move with great power through this preaching, this time, this study of the book of James, and this very first message, that we would all be impacted and changed. Open our eyes of our heart. Illuminate our heart. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. God, equip people tonight. Help people tonight that we would get better, not bitter. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We do have notes for you. Uh, and uh, I, I did come up with a cute little title, Bitter or Better. It's really up to you. Bitter or Better, which will you choose? This book is um, profound. In actual fact, my pastor, our senior global leader, Dr. James Morocco, gave us a choice when we were being mentored so many years ago. He said, you can memorize either, either the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, or the entirety of the book of James. They're actually quite similar in many respects. And uh, so I chose the Sermon on the Mount, and, uh, and then I had friends that chose the book of James. And the book of James is a profound book. James, a servant of God. What a, what a wonderful way to, to introduce himself. Bond servant or servant. And um, a servant of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Really a slave. And I think I talked about that recently. There's a real meaning there. To the 12 tribes, it's debated about what he's saying there. Is he, is he talking to the Jews? Is he talking to Gentiles? And he's talking to all of the above, scattered among the nations. 
Consider it pure joy. What he begins to deal with in verses two through eight is problems. Trials. How many of you going through a trial right now? The rest of you are lying. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> trials come to all of us. If you've gone through a trial, I mean, welcome to the human race. We all go through trials. But I've seen some people go through trials much differently than others. And I've learned to go through trials in my own life. I'm not looking for more practice, but the, the, I'm, I'm in one right now. A trial. A test. James dealing with the issues of trials. There comes in life unexpected situations that you do not know what's going to happen. You say, well, how come? Well, there's a lot of reasons for that. There's a lot of reasons for trials. Sometimes it's because of our own foolishness. Amplified version would say stupidity. Sometimes it's because of other people's foolishness. Other times it's because we live in a fallen world. Other times it's the enemy, the devil. Now, James is dealing with the issues of how do you respond when things don't go your way or don't go right? How do you respond? How do you respond when things don't turn out the way that you, that you hoped, the way that you planned? How do you respond to that? There's a lot of different responses, and uh, I'm just going to give you a few. I'm sure you could probably come up with some yourself. Fearful. Some people are afraid. Some people get terrified at the fact that now they have a problem. You know, the sky is falling, the world is over. They just get gripped with fear. And we've seen that over and over. They get afraid physically. People get afraid financially. When you face a trial, no matter what the trial is, being fearful is not a response that God wants you to have. Another way that people respond is angry. I've seen that. I've done that. Anybody else done that? Something goes wrong and you just... <laughs> I dented one of my cars. Yeah, I don't like denting my vehicles. How many of you enjoy denting your vehicle? I, I don't like it. I, I just remind myself, it's all going to burn anyway. It's all going to burn. And I'm like, ah, uh, it's all going to burn. It's all going to burn. It doesn't matter. Uh, amen. So I dented my vehicle and uh, I, I watched how my flesh wanted to blame my wife. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You're like, she didn't park the way that I wanted her to park. That I, the, the unwritten rule of how you park in my driveway is not how she parked. There was other, she didn't quite pull up enough. And because of that, right? No, I didn't see it. I hit the truck. You hit the truck. You did. I've seen people get angry their whole life. Going through a test, they get angry at God. They get angry at God that it didn't happen. Angry at God that they didn't get the raise. Angry at God that it didn't work out. Angry, 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 angry. Just angry. They're angry. They're bitter. They're angry. Anger is not, should not be. It doesn't say be filled with rage, beloved brethren. It, that's not what it says. Yeah. Confused. I've seen people just absolutely. Let me go back to the anger thing. I've literally seen people through the death of a loved one, get so angry at God, completely lose their faith and never serve him again. As far as I knew. People get confused. How many have ever been confused? Confusion is something that can come when you're in the midst of transition. When you go through a trial, there are people that get confused. Everybody say, don't be confused. Don't be 
God is not the author of confusion. Other people get guilty. Oh, if I had only done this, or if I'd done that, or if we'd done, it made different decisions. And they carry this guilt, they carry shame with them because of what took place. They, they pin it on themselves and they wear it like a badge, completely guilty and filled with shame. That's not the right response either. Another response is complaining. Oh my goodness. Some have a master's degree in complaining. You just ask him for a moment. So how, how's things going? Oh man, you know, oh, 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 my employer and oh, the weather, it's just too hot, it's too hot. And then the winter, it's too cold. It's just, oh, stop. <laughs> complaining, complaining and murmuring will release a destroying angel on you, says Second Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 10. Self-pity, woe's me. Anybody ever felt that way? Yeah, the prophet, the prophet Elijah, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one that stood for you. And he's like, there's 7,000 more, bro. Relax. That's also a bad response in the midst of a trial. To feel self-pity. Denial. I might have been guilty of that as also. They just deny that there's a problem. I don't want to talk about it. No, no, no. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Denial. You're in denial. What's denial, pastor? It's a river in Egypt. That's what it is. All right, how should we respond right from the text? How should we respond? This is what James is dealing with here in the text. Trials are a part of living in a fallen world as a human being and having a real enemy, Satan. Satan. He's a real enemy. And so trials come. Why? You live in a fallen world and you're a human being? And the devil hates your guts. So you're going to have trials. Some of them are because of the foolish things we did. Some others, as I said, and other times it's because of the enemy of your soul. The text, he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. What does that mean? It really means that you need to view things differently. I said you need to view things differently. Instead of blaming your wife for not parking the truck in the right place, you begin to view things differently. You see things differently. If you don't see things differently, consider it pure joy. I'm not very joyful about denting my vehicle or losing the job or I bought high when the housing bubble was high and then the bottom fell out and now I'm with a house that's worth half of what I paid. What's so joyful about that? Well, you have to change your perspective. There's a thing I call God's eye view. Is there here a bird's eye view? Birds are very much lower than the Lord. So the Lord's view, he can really show you things. If you'll ask him to, you got to change your view. Come on, raise a hand to heaven and say, God, help me to change my view. You got to view things differently. Look at the end result. He goes and says, verse three, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Well, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So mature, complete, not lacking anything. That is actually the goal that he's going to bring you through if you pass the trial. If you pass the test, you're not going to be a baby anymore. Come on, bump your neighbor and say, don't be a baby. Come on, some of you, it's time to grow up. You're 45 years old for the love of God. It's time for you to grow up now. Amen. 
The end result is that God wants to make you strong. He wants to make you big and strong. He wants to make you a man of God, a woman of God. He wants to make you someone that's not moved by wind and waves and false talk. He wants to make you someone he can be counted on no matter what happens, no matter what the enemy might throw at you. Yes, you bind. Yes, you loose. And you're still going to have trials. And when you go through those trials, if you'll respond rightly, it'll make you a man. Make, come on, some of you need to become a man. We've got boys with chest hair in some places. Come on, somebody. Did you catch that? If you have chest hair, that means you're mature, but you still act like a boy. I'm not going to pick on the women. I'm just picking on men right now. God wants to make you mature. And if you see the end result, the end result is that you're fulfilling God's plan for your life. The end result is that, you're, that you grow up loving God no matter what happens. I mean, what are, the, what, are, what, are the, what are the options here? What are the options in the midst of your trial? I mean, let's talk about what the options are. So, so what, are you going to cave in? You, you're going to get depressed? You're going to throw in the towel? You're going to quit? You're going to go serve the devil? I mean, what are you going to do? God has a wondrous plan for your life. Because the end result, and, the, and because of God's love for us, we must see it as joy. Amen. See, what do you mean? Let me ask you this. No matter, no matter what you're going through, let me ask you this question. No matter how horrible and how difficult, answer this question honestly. Is God still in control? Yes or no? Yes. yes. So you camp on that. You don't camp on your feelings which come and go like the wind. You don't camp, you don't camp out on on your emotions that you're going through at the moment. You camp out on God fulfilling his plan for your life and you become immovable in that. So it doesn't matter. Yes, it can be difficult. Yes, there can be weeping. Yes, there can be sorrow. And there can be joy. And there needs to be joy. Even in the midst of sorrowful situation, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Even in the midst of death, Allow God to work in you that he, you, you might not understand things. I don't understand much. Anybody else? Might not understand things. Understand and know this though, that God will work your life to mature to completeness so that you can be a representative of heaven and the earth. So when you go through trials, just smile and wave. Think about, go to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, what a great passage of scripture. Therefore, since we are verse, uh, I'm going to go to verse, well, verse one's good. I'll read verse one. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance a race marked out for us. Fixing, look at verse two, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, considered him who endured such opposition from sinners so you'll not grow weary and lose heart. 
You have to keep your joy and keep your perspective. You got to think differently because if you don't, what are the options? The options are you lose heart. The options are that you're actually going to be carried away and maybe lose faith. And if you lose faith, you're destroyed. I don't want to be destroyed. I want to please God. I want to finish your race before me. And, and that the writer of the book of Hebrews talks about Jesus for the joy set before him. What is he talking about? Joy. What joy? I'm going to tell you, he did not enjoy the trial of being crucified. That's not something you're like, yes, crucify me. But he did it. Why? Because he knew that the end result would mean you and me here tonight, redeemed, washed in the blood, come on, cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, our names written in the Lamb's book of life. Even for millennium, men and women would come to Christ. He knew that he was fulfilling the, the prophetic plan, the types and shadows of the Old Testament coming to completion. He knew that he was doing something that the Father wanted. Oh, let this cup pass from me. But the, Lord, but the Father said, this is it, son. Think about what would happen on the other side of your trial if you responded with joy because it's going to make you, it's going to make you what you've asked God to make you into a man of God, a woman of God, more like Christ. But I don't like the way it feels. I know, I know, I don't like it either. But I love the end result. I'm so glad God has released strength and endurance to us. Understand your faith is a battleground. Right in your notes. Faith is a battleground and you gotta persevere. No matter what you're no matter what you face, turn to first Peter. No matter what you face, you gotta endure. You don't know what I'm going through. No, I maybe don't, but I'd love to know so we can bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I'd love to hear what you're going through. And I have a whole host of leaders and people in the church. We're supposed to stand together. And when you go through, come on, yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow. Walk through. Don't pitch your tent in the valley of the shadow of death. That's what happens when you lose your faith. You're just like, oh, I'm just going to die. Gonna... No. Come on, somebody say No. Your faith is a battleground. The enemy wants to hit you so hard that you lose your faith. How do you do that? One little thought at a time. First Peter 1, chapter 1. Go to verse 6. So understand no matter what, you're, what, no matter what trial you're facing, endure it. Ask God to give you joy. Why would I have joy in the midst of some tra trial or tragedy? Because the end result is you becoming mature and complete. In other words, the trial is, it's not necessary the trials from God. The trial can come from your foolishness, someone else's or the devil's. But if you endure it, I've learned a lot through mistakes. I don't like making them anymore. I'm, I don't want to make another one. Will you? <laughs> Probably. I don't plan on it. First Peter 1 Peter 6 in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief of all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. It, trials, you, 
we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and as we overcome trials, as we look at things differently, as we look at the joy set before us, what joy? A glorified body, come on, just walking in wholeness and completeness. I'm gonna tell you, when I was a younger man, a younger Christian, it was painful. I mean, it was great. I love God. He touched me. I was saved. But then I just had this roller coaster of trials. My emotions were everywhere. And I was dumb as a box of rocks. That's what, there's a southern, a southern phrase, oh, bless your heart. Anybody ever heard that? Oh, bless your heart. You know what that means? Oh, bless your heart. That means you're dumb as a box of rocks. That's what that means. I, I, I lived my life in a way that was you know, very challenging. I had a constant retail therapy. How many of you know what that is? It's when you run out and pay, just spend lots of money, try to feel better, you're swiping. You're PayPaling left and right. Your Amazon card is filled. You just can't wait to just packages show up every day. Oh, 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 oh. And you just feel better when the package is there, but then the bill comes. Faith is a battleground and you have to contend for it. And if you don't understand that, that the enemy wants to take you out, then you'll be in trouble. You have to fight for that. You don't, you don't go wash to and fro, and we'll, we'll get to that in a minute, like an unstable man, a double-minded man. I have found, don't be offended, I have found that most Christians are double-minded. What does that mean? They have two minds. They have, they, have a, they have faith on one side and they just are filled with doubt and unbelief on the other. And then they just never, never really break through and learn how to walk in, walk in victory. Never break through, never how to learn how to walk in, uh, in the promises of God. I was talking to a, a great man of God the other day and uh, he was going through a trial. And, uh, and he actually said this to me. I, I couldn't believe it. He said, it's impossible. I said, excuse me? He's a friend of mine. He said, excuse me? He said, did I just hear that right now? Did I, did I just hear you say it's in, in, in what? Impossible? I'm sorry. There's no scripture for that. Some of you just allow for your brain to just yap at you like a little yapping dog. When I went to Greece, I lived in Greece for a period of time, and I went to a place called Athos. How many of you know where that is? Athos is, it's, um, it's the three little fingers at the very top part of Greece. It's the third finger up, and it's where all the monasteries are. And, and there's only men allowed there, because the last woman was the Virgin Mary. Highly unlikely that she was on Athos. At any rate, they venerate and revere her and even in some places worship, which is not of God. You don't see that in scripture. And so I went to that and I, you had to have, you had to either be Greek to go there and a male, of course, amen. And, uh, or you had to be, have an invitation and a letter from the government to be able to go. So I, I am not Greek, but I was with a friend of mine, Yasuna, which is Jason, and he was Greek. And we took off on this boat with this Mediterranean captain. And uh, it was a big, like a typical Greek captain with the hat, large guy, giant personality, couldn't understand anything he was saying. 
And we got to, we got to the, the Athos and we stepped off and we were greeted by the monks who instantly wanted to see our paperwork. We, I had partial paperwork, but I didn't have all of it. And so as they're going through and discussing everything, they're going to allow my friend Jason Yasuna on the, on the island to, to tour. Uh, it's a peninsula on the peninsula to tour that monastery, but they wouldn't allow the American because I had incomplete paperwork. From the time we started coming into their, their little mini port and the dock, there was this dog. It's about this big, literally, literally this big. I don't know what kind of dog it was, but it was one of those incredibly irritating dogs. Does anybody know what I'm talking The entire time we're there. I just want to like, oh, we're on Athos. I just wanted to like experience it and see it. All you could hear is and it keeps barking the entire time. And so being Mediterranean and Greek, they start discussing things and it starts getting big and loud and hands are going back and forth. And finally, the captain turns around and says, ah, ah, and he walks about and he says something to my friend, we can't, you can't go on the island, your paper doesn't work, your papers are incomplete. So we got to get back on the boat and go back to where we came from. So the dog has not stopped the entire time. And as he said, he's so mad and he's walking, he's walking and this dog starts to try to bite him and, and we're getting almost to the door, and he turns and he goes, just kicks the dog. He wasn't a Christian. Some of you need to kick the yapping over voice of your mind to the curb. It doesn't help. Well, what are you not going to make? Shut up. Tell yourself to zip. Why so downcast? Oh, my soul, said the psalmist. Some of you just talk yourself into depression. Oh, what if it doesn't work? Oh, what if you don't have enough money? Oh, stop. Come on, somebody say silence that voice. The fourth thing you see James say out of this text is pray for wisdom. Now this is, this is awesome. You pray for wisdom. And there's so much here. I'm really just extrapolating that which I've felt to share with you. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask of God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to him. When you're going through a trial, pray for wisdom. Ask God to give you, it says right there, if I need wisdom, all I have to do is ask. Not doubt, which we'll get to. All I have to do is ask. God, give me, grant to me, I need wisdom right now. How many of you need wisdom? Some of you need wisdom and you don't know you need it. But I'm telling you, everyone here needs wisdom. Let's ask God for it right now. Father, release wisdom. Release wisdom to me right now. Release wisdom. How, how do I respond? What do you want me to do? God will give you wisdom. It can come in a scripture, can come in a prophetic word, can come in a dream. I rely very heavily on God speaking to me. He speaks in dreams. He speaks through circumstances. He speaks through creation. He speaks through prophets. He speaks. He speaks in the still small voice. He's a speaking God. So how many of you know God wants to make me, wants to make you, wants to make us more like Jesus? He's going to speak to you so that you can respond the right way in the trial. But many of you don't ask for wisdom. And then perhaps when you get it, you don't use it. I've said this over and over. It's from my pastor. If you're going to come for counseling, be open to receiving what we're giving you because it's coming right from Scripture. 
If you're not open to receiving wisdom from the counselors, then just don't come. That's from Minister Lori, if you're offended. Amen. Her number is 907-555. Something. No, we, we will help you. But be open, to, be open to wisdom. You need wisdom. And we must pray in faith. It's interesting. He says that when you ask, you must believe. Everybody say, must believe. You must believe. I said it before. It's a beautiful illustration. If you're flying out of Alaska, probably at 2.15 a.m., if you're going to the lower 48, because that's when the best flights are, I guess. Well, they know we can handle it. That's the thing. So a lot of America is not as strong as Alaskans, so they allow us to have. You're going to have to, there are 2.15 flight boards at, at 1.45. Okay? You're going to have to be there at 1.45. You must be at gate C2 at 1.45 to board. Now, the, 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 the doors will close 10 minutes before departure. How many of you know that? I've stood there. Please open the door. And I've had them say no, and I've had other times where they said yes. The, I think the bags getting on the plane are a certain time. Is it 45 minutes before, before they don't take your bags. Your bags aren't going to get on the plane. You're too late. You must have your bags at the, at the bag check place. At the, you must. You must. Or your bag's not getting on. You must be at gate C2 or you're not getting on the aeroplane. So if you're, look, look what it says. When you ask, you must believe. Everybody say, must believe. 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 Faith. Pistis is the Greek word. You have to believe. You say, well, Lord, help my unbelief. Amen. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Listen to the word. Encourage yourself. Feed on the word. Memorize the word. Study the word. Get, look, you're here on a Wednesday night. Why would you be here on a Wednesday night? Because it's kings. I just love this place. Yeah, me too. Awesome. But I'm not teaching out of the Encyclopedia Britannica or the Reader's Digest. I'm teaching you and preaching to you from the Word of God. Why? Because He sends forth His Word and it does something on the inside of you. It releases faith. It releases courage. You're going to make it through your trial. Come on, say, I'm going to make it. You're going to make it. It's working, making you mature. You're becoming more like Jesus. Fiddler on the Roof is one of my favorite movies. Tevia. Tradition, tradition. I love it. It's a great, great movie. And he's talking in the front opening part of the movie. And he says, you know, you told us that we're your chosen people. Maybe you could choose somebody else. Because of all the trials that we've been through. Not a biblical prayer, nor a suggestion. The truth is that the enemy wants to wipe out Jews. You know why? Because if the enemy could, and he cannot, then he could prove or show that God doesn't exist. And I promise you that the Jews will never be eradicated. There's no way for it to happen because God stands over them. And he surrounds Jerusalem. Even as the mountains surround Jerusalem, Psalm 125, God surrounds Israel both now and forevermore. There is an eternal covenant that will come to pass, and he's going to make it come to pass. And there's no Hitler or Hitler II or Hitler III that could ever arise to try to... Yeah, I'm going to just... Oh yeah. They will pass every trial, and so will you if you don't lose faith. 
You are precious in the sight of God. You're going to make it. You're his holy people brought out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's written you in this, in the palm of his hand. Come on. He wrote you in the palm of his hand. He loves you with an everlasting love. God will bring you true. Even if you die, you get to go to heaven. Even death has no sting for the believer. Come on, somebody say, that's right. But you must believe in faith. God's committed to you. But you need to be committed to him. He's committed to you, but if you'll be committed to his word and you'll stand on his word, it will come to pass. You know, we're in the midst of this building. For those of you that are online, perhaps don't know, and maybe you're new here, we've been in a building project for a number of years, and we're almost done. I can't tell you the amount of times I've stood there and quoted what the Lord has said. Hundreds and hundreds of times. Many, many, countless times I've stood every, every week nearly. I had a situation today. It was like all kinds of heaviness just came on me. I got out of my car and just shook myself like a lion would shake its mane and said, oh no, 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 no. God, God, I, I just know too much. I've seen too much. You, you, can't, you can't try to lie to me. That's the way we need to learn to be. And I'm, I'm working on that in other areas. The building's easy for me for some reason. I'm not like easy, but I mean, I, I'm, it's settled. Abraham believed God. It's, he had settled it in his heart. He knew what God wanted to do and he was unmoved. You will have breakthrough in unprecedented measure if you'll be unmovable in your faith. Don't be like a wishy-washy to and fro. Oh, the Lord, he loved me. Oh, no, he doesn't, he hates you. And you just go back and forth. Double-minded. Got to pray in faith. God's speaking to us real simply. We got a choice. Come on, bump your neighbor and say, you have a choice. So you can be filled with joy in the midst of your trials as you see the end result. Not because of your trial, not the pain. You, you're, oh, I'm happy, I'm getting tortured right now. That, 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 I got joy, yes. No, you're joyful because you know that Romans 8 and 28, and we know that God works. We know, we know, we know that God works all things together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. He's going to work it for good if you love him. How do you know you love him? You'll obey his word. We have a choice in trials. So if you respond with joy, keeping the end in mind, knowing that God's maturing you, and you pray and ask for wisdom and, and, and apply the wisdom and respond rightly using that wisdom, God will turn that into the glory of God for you. If you don't respond that way, then you have no promise that you're having anything turned for glory for you. If you throw in the towel, listen, you could backslide tonight. You're so offended, have such a trial. You think about it. I've known, I've known people that have been through um, harder things that I've been through. And I, I've watched, I watched one person in particular comes to mind, and there's many. One person in particular who said to me, he said, uh, I mean, I asked him, how are you actually surviving right now? I want to know how you're still loving God right now. I mean, it was like a Job experience. Without listing the cataloging everything that went, went wrong, it was horrible. And here's a guy who served God with all his heart and, and all of this happens. 
I said, I want to know how are you, how are you like talking right now? He said, well, honestly, I think it might have been easier if I just died. However, God didn't have that for me. I'm thinking, let me listen here. I said, I want to know how you're doing it. He said, you know, I, I live my face in the face of God every day and I worship him and he fills me with joy. And I just keep making those right choices. I, he says, but if I, if I look to the right, oh, it's bad. It's bad. And so I watched him over about a year, about a year of that. And then God has absolutely turned that man's life into the most incredible testimony. See, some of you, when you get to that place, you just quit. And maybe you come to your senses a few months later after you've, you know, fornicated or committed adultery or stole or did whatever you did to try to ease the pain of your trial. I'm preaching better than you're amening. And so then you, you, you went like a, like, a, like a watermelon seed being spit out the side and tried to ease your pain through retail therapy or, you know, instead of running to the Lord and crying out to him and letting him meet you and knowing that if you'll be joyful, if you'll keep your joy, knowing that at the end result is you becoming more like him. And oh, I got to say this. I got to say this. This is not it. This is, this is a test. Dude, this is a test. You're going through a, a 70, 80, 90 for me, 120. I'm going for 120 healthy years serving God. Internship. And in the end, you'll die and graduate to the, the real thing. The millennial reign of Christ. You're going to live forever. This is a test. Bump your neighbor and say, I'm in a test right now. You're, it's a choice that you make. It's a choice you make of whether you're going to walk in victory or whether you're going to walk in defeat. He didn't do this for me and I'm just going to, okay. Who, so who made you God anyway? You're going to demand what God's, if you find it in the word, then you pray it until it comes to pass. But you can't shake your fist at God when you're in, in doubt and unbelief and you're angry and yell at him that he didn't do it for you. You don't even, we don't even understand his ways. They're mysterious to us, but, but we have his word. It's a choice when trials come. I said, it's a choice. You can get bitter or you can get better. Which one will you choose? Uh-huh. Just remind yourself of that when, when it all hits the fan. Oh, it's not going to hit the fan for me. You know, I love what Dr. Morocco said. We started our building project. And he says to me, Pastor Dan, are you ready? I said, oh, you know, that's right. He said, are you sure? I said, oh, yeah, let's go. He said, oh, it took us 10 years to build our building. I said, not us. <laughs> he said, oh, yeah. I said, oh, yeah, God's going to. Well, here we are. <laughs> it's not 10. It's only seven. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I, I have a tendency to be just a little bit, a little bit of bravado, which you know, it can, it's faith, but maybe sometimes it's my flesh and my personality. And I remember Dr. Morocco saying to me, it's going to be intense. The battle's real. I know. I said, yeah, amen. I didn't really know. As I'm pulling my mouth guard out of the back of my throat, I'm realizing how intense it is. 
And for those of you that played hockey or football, understand what I'm saying. We have the Holy Spirit. Look at look at back at your notes. We have the Holy Spirit produces joy in us. It's like a it's like a, a generator that never runs out of juice. So the Holy Spirit will give you joy. The Holy Spirit will give you joy. I remember witnessing. Would you come, please? I remember witnessing door to door. And um, as I knocked on the door, and I've told the story a number of times, but guy almost rips the door off the hinges answering and is, is yelling at me. And he's like, get off my property. I'm like, I just want to tell you about the love of God. Get off! You, and he just curses at me and everything. I'm like, no, really, the Lord loves you. And he just opens up the door and spits in my face. Lands right in my eye. Whack! I was saved for maybe three years, but, but I wasn't that saved. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Neither did. <laughs> I think it's really one of my first years I was really on fire. And he spit in my face, and I wanted to beat him. You know, I'm at his, and I, but the Spirit of God wouldn't let me. And I, and Christians, I, at that time, thought you always had to be nice. I know differently now. Jesus made a whip. Some of you are nice to what you should not be nice to. Amen. It's a whole other message. Yes, Christians are passionate spiritually violent people would highly advise you don't cross them or try to run them over. Amen. Well, turn the other cheek. Yep. And then there's a time when you turn out of cheeks, you run out, there's no more cheeks to turn. And then, and then some people need to be sued. Now I'm just going to tell you why. This is for someone out there. Some people need to be sued and taken to court and go to jail. You know why? Why is that? Because they're going to go do it to 15 other people and you should stand and, and have, have them dealt with with justice. Amen. What are we talking about? Oh yeah. The Holy Spirit brings joy. I walked away after he's cursing and I'm leaving the property. He didn't get saved. I didn't cast the devil out of him and I didn't beat him. And I walked off the property and I went into a depression. I mean, the, the deep wounding of being rejecting. I was not healed from rejection. And so as I walked off, I began to weep in this self-hatred and loathing. And then my life was going to amount to nothing. It just triggered me in a broken place. I was, a, I was, I was not healed. As I'm walking off, I'm like, I'm a loser. Man, I can't even... People don't even want to hear about Jesus from me. How many of you ever gone... I started going in the midst of my trial. I don't want to... Oh, my gosh it like hepatitis C or something he spit on me and all these thoughts are going through my head yeah never mind COVID hepatitis C that's the real thing watch out for that <laughs> and uh, I'm wiping out of my eye and I just start walking past all the houses I'm supposed to visit and and as I keep walking I just I start crying and the Lord speaks to me I had been memorizing Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and just like I was talking about in the beginning part of the message. And that passage, it says, Blessed are you who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for in the same way, in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 
And I just thought, well, that's nice. Again, the scripture comes, the Holy Spirit speaking to me through the word, telling me to rejoice in the same way. Count, you know, count it all joy. James says, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Well, I wasn't exceeding. I was being persecuted. I was just trying to share Jesus. I wasn't trying to hurt him. I wasn't trying to rip him off. I wasn't trying to cause a problem. I was just trying to share Jesus and I got spit on, cursed out, and I'm walking and I'm like, okay, well, I guess that's some persecution then. You know, I'm not even, we're, we're such sissies in the Western world. Maybe, maybe I'm just talking about myself back then. So I just let out a little bit of a rejoice. Yay! I get persecuted. And I didn't really mean it. And I almost mocked. And I repented. I said, oh God, I'm sorry. And then I said, Lord, thank you. And so when I said that, and I meant it, it was like whoo, this little fire. I thought, ooh. And I felt really good. And I thought, oh, oh God. Then I just said, Lord, thank you that you've allowed me to participate in suffering for your name's sake. I thank you that I'm, I've got a reward. It's something like a fire. It was like somebody threw gas on me in the spirit. And I just began to rejoice and sing. And God set me free from rejection. He said, I've accepted you. Don't worry about the guy who hates you. He really hates me. Don't worry about it. And I just started and something turned. Holy Spirit. We have a problem in that we're so tied to what you see. You're, we're so tied to the, the uh, circumstances and what we can see with our eye. All the things that are happening around us, we can be so tied to them. None of those are really important. Some of them are. Most of them are. God's working in you. Come on, someone say, God's working in me. Come on, you, you have the living God living on the inside of you. If you'll, just, if you'll just take a moment and allow him to quicken and awaken you and breathe on you, you don't have to be depressed anymore. You don't have to be in bondage anymore. We're called to persevere. Everybody say, we're called to persevere. Don't give up on trusting God. Don't give up on trusting God. Say it. Don't give up on trusting. Trust Him. Based on His Word, not your feelings. Your feelings come and go. God has a plan for us to grow up in Him if we let Him. If we let Him. He'll even turn the bad to good. And then lastly, we must be people of prayer. So we can know in what to do in every circumstances. Our project over the years, and I've said it over and over, it's just, you know, the biggest challenge I have in my life. And it's the biggest challenge this church has ever faced uh, by far. Building something that we could never build. Oh, we counted the cost and it was well beyond what we, what we could do in the natural. And then the Lord said, you'll do it. And we had people on the enemy's crew say, this is impossible. You can't build this thing in Wasilla. He said, no, yes, we will. And, you know, together in faith, we've moved forward and it's almost done. Building, building B, building B, 
that's, that's the administrative wing, the children's wing, and, uh, and the youth wing will be done in three weeks. Done. Finished. Finished. Now, you know, it might be three and a half weeks, but they tell us three weeks. Flooring's going in. We're ordering all our carpet, all our flooring's being finished. All the, the, all the, the, the mitigation and all of that's done for, the, uh, for the, the, the storm from hell that we rebuked and God turned for good. Pipes going in the ground. I believe tomorrow into this sanctuary and the screen and the sound and the and the and the lighting and all all, all the all the sanctuary fixings are going in about mid-September from the sixth to about the thirtieth. I think it is, is what the dates are. Now some of this is going to fluctuate a little bit, but we're at the end. We're, we're done. We're we're moving in. I said we're going to move in. So what was impossible is made possible by faith. It's only impossible with men. It's not impossible with God. So when you face trials, get God's word on it. Get into that thing. Preach it. Teach it. Write it down. Memorize it. Speak it. Declare it. And don't let your mind falter to the right and left. Don't be tossed to and fro like an infant. We're not supposed to be infants. We're supposed to be men of God, women of God that know the word, standing on the word. Don't, don't shrink back as some in the habit of doing unto destruction. Press on. Yeah, you're in a trial. Anything worth doing is a trial. And I, I, love, the, I love what Dr. Morocco says as I called him. I said, oh, it's hard right now. This is before the building project. Everybody hates me, Pastor Morocco. He's like, okay, Daniel, Daniel. Is anybody burning you at the stake? I'm like, what kind of question is that? Uh, no, nobody's burning me at the stake. He says, okay, all right now, all right. Now, um, have you resisted to the point of shedding blood, Daniel? Daniel, <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm looking for some pity here. And he, he matches my trial with the trial of Jesus. Um, I don't think I'm having one actually. I've changed my mind. Everything's good. <laughs> Be a person of prayer. And there is real obstacles. There is real problems and trials. And there is a real enemy. And there is a fallenness of mankind. And, and, and we can do foolish things. Repent. Get God's word. Pray. Ask for wisdom. And don't flinch. Get better, not bitter. Get better, not bitter. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to King's Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.